It's Behind the Bots Time! So from the NHRL studios in Norwalk, Connecticut, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind the bots. I'm Kyle. I'm Brandon. And on the podcast today, we're wrapping up September NHRL and reviewing BattleBots Champions. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, FM, and Podbean. Follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Nice job, Brandon. Brandon is uh, going to be joining us on the podcast for the rest of the month, essentially. Um, while the rest of my podcast mates are running around in Asia, visiting family, going to weddings, and checking out uh, Tokyo Disney, which could for them. I think that's awesome. Uh, but meanwhile, we're going to talk about some combat robots, and uh, Brandon is definitely an expert in this field. As we've just discovered, he is literally one-eighth of all 30-pound robots competing at the championships in November, which is a scary and awesome prospect. Well done, sir. Thank you. Thank you. It's very terrifying, <laughs> very worrying, very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all of those things. All right, so time for this week's combat robotics news. Today, I have two news items for you. First of all, catch live robot combat at three events this weekend in Maryland, California, and Texas. In Maryland, they'll be fighting ants, fairies, and on Saturday, um, ants and fairies on Saturday at the RC Underground Arena for Nightmare on Bot Street. Great name for an event. I love that. And I'll be there. You'll be there. Oh, yes. I'll be fighting It's not far for you. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. Um, In Sierra College in NorCal Robotics Expo, they will be fighting fairies and ants and beetles. Um, This will be a pretty large event for this Saturday, actually. And then down in Texas, in College Station, AIMBOTS will be holding their Fall Frenzy event for Texas A&M Robotics. Uh, Phenomenal event. They do so much down there. It feels like they've got an event every other week in College Station. I think that's awesome. And finally, Hacksmith Mm -hmm. Industries and Waterloo College have released a video about their experience competing at BattleBots Proving Ground with their autonomous robot, Orbitron. If you haven't seen the footage uh, from Proving Grounds, they had some awesome fights. Uh, This is a really cool robot. It works incredibly well. Um, Their first and second video about the experience have each received over a million views. This is the most high-profile STEM content creator to ever participate in combat robotics events, at least in the modern era, right? Back in the olden days, you had the Mythbusters guys, but that was before they were even the Mythbusters guys. So this is like a whole other layer of just high profile content creators performing. Um, so I think that was awesome. Did you happen to catch those videos, Brandon? Oh, I loved those videos. I already follow Hacksmith. So I was already pretty, pretty much enjoyed seeing the cool stuff they do. And with the videos, you have the beauty of their whole production in there to make it look really epic. So I really yeah. love seeing them. Yeah, their, their production is phenomenal. This is also like, they're famous for making real life working lightsabers. Um, wolverine claws that actually pop out <laughs> right like they they like to take uh superpowers or superpowered things from fiction and turn it into a re- as real of a humanly possible thing as you can make in real life which is cool um i love the fact that they've gotten into fighting robots and the autonomous functions of their robots are pretty promising it's it's kind of cool actually we're on a new age coming in pretty soon can't wait to 
be able to say like that's was it like comment hit the subscribe button very battle bots fight be kind of fun yeah actually i i think that that uh that's a long time coming we've been needing this yeah. in the sport for a while now there's so many really good stem creators i think the open sauce event really helped open up a lot of people to what we're doing in this space um and develop some excitement for what we're doing in the space you know i think that's a great thing to have uh, we've had our like niche content creators in the past um but it's it's cool to see there be a little bit of a resurgence in that passion for the sport all right yeah we're you, we're certain uh, for a big big thing there for sure yeah all right so now it's time to recap nhrl's Ooh. last qualifying event before the finals uh it was a great event you were not able to make it this time i was there for a bajillion hours on end calling all of these fights <laughs> Um, we're going to just go through the weight classes and talk a little bit about what happened, who qualified. Uh, so first of all, 30 pounds, Kevin Milcheski, Kevin with the, with the grappler red storm. Uh, his weapon is that grappler technically, but really it's Kevin's driving and speed. Um, Kevin even was joking that he did better when the weapon got ripped off. And by the way, he had to rip through a literal army of Brazilian robots in order to get this golden dumpster. Uh, and most of them did, in fact, rip his weapon off at some point during this entire event. Um, he So other robots that qualified were Sombra 30, uh, a captain by Koan, uh, Toro Feather, which was captained by Junior Sousa, and Jubilou, captained by Arthur Lionel. Um, Jubilou uh, was like a crazy horizontal spinner. I, I've never seen anything like that in the 30s that wasn't, you know, a, uh, a, a bot without wheels. Like this was a normal looking horizontal spinner that was just causing so like so much wood was ripped off of the side of the arena. I was so glad it never got launched up towards the, to the towards the polycarbonate. It was an insane machine. Um, Toro did what Toro does. Junior did a phenomenal drive job driving it. And Junior's just like the nicest fella that you'd ever want to hang out with. Like I had the best <laughs> time, uh, chatting with him back up in the pits um sombra did what sombra does man that thing is i mean it's just it's terrifying tri-bar spinner to the extreme but none of them could best kevin and that championship yes. round yes. where he like plows through everybody and wins that last fight and uh that celebration was like absurd he was having the most fun of any human being <laughs> I think he was just planning on like showing up and getting some reps in. I don't even think he was planning on qualifying. He definitely was not planning on walking away with a golden dumpster. Um, and it was crazy because like he was, he was doing really well in the twelves and the thirties. So he was literally just running back and forth between boxes once we got to championship times. And it was, I, I can't even tell you how proud I am of Kevin. Also the fact that he's like the only non Brazilian in the final four there was like, amazing it was absolutely amazing um to see it was very 80s 80s like you know evil empire type movie vibes for him i was very happy for him <laughs> um, oh right. I, I loved the 30s i watched the 30s with uh, great intensity for sure well yeah you got a few bots yeah. competing in that um, in that weight class right yeah 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 quite a, <laughs> quite a few quite a few so who of this uh, kind of qualifying round are you most scared of? Let's see. So looking at the field, so the way, okay, so the way I look at it, right, is um, Phenomenon and Vorian, they are both vertical spinners. And I think their hard counter is a 
better vertical spinner. Correct. Um, yeah. Vorion done pretty good uh, against the horizontal for sure. So Sombra and Toro then pose a pretty good risk. Now, Phenomenon did do good against Toro before. It got its revenge last year in the finals. Um, so that's good knowledge there. But from what I was seeing of um, Sombra in particular, because its geometry is so wild and its tangent drive allows for very quick speed, it's a terrifying thing. So I am some glad for the new design changes that make Vorion what it is um, to sort of help combo, uh, combat that. But I'm also very terrified that it's going to get like one almighty hit and just like tweak the frame or something. And it's going to be a very sad time. Yeah. But they're yeah. pretty good. Yeah, that tri-bar spinner, man, it gets like such crazy engagement. Some of those hits that he gets with that thing are absurd. Um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm so excited about the 30 finals. It's going to be a blast. Um, I'm glad you didn't compete this time because then we would have had way too many 30-pounders competing. Uh, but it went well. It went well. All right, so let's talk about 12s. Uh, so the, the story of the Brazilian invasion continues into the 12s. Now, one thing I have to say is for the first time ever, we had Team Warrior here, the team behind Black Dragon on BattleBots. Um, they've never been to NHRL before this event and having them kind of fill out the Brazilian table, they took up an entire pit table this time, right? The, the entirety of all the Brazilian teams were kind of <laughs> on like one little area together. Um, and they took up a whole kind of row to themselves. Um, the energy over there was like, it felt like I was at a like South American football game. Like they were just loud and screaming and chanting and having the best time high fives and hugs all over the place just like the the intensity of passion at this event went up 45 percent just with them being in the space um to a degree that i have never seen before especially from a bunch of like sober people right we've had some like people that have had maybe a few too many libations <laughs> at the bar having a great time in the audience especially towards the end of the night but this was like just a bunch of really <laughs> passionate fans it was great um so winner of that weight class was Zupa Cabra, captained by Henrique Oliveira from Team Warrior. Um, just amazingly dominant performance. Barely pulled out a win against Kevin's robot at the end there. Like, just barely. Um, it was amazing. Like, that final was incredible. Plus, we got to do the, like, uh, dumpster giveaway in front of a bunch of chanting, screaming Brazilians in the background, and uh, that was, like, so much fun. Um, also qualified for this event was Minor Threat 5 by Luke Grell. Finally qualifying for this event. Luke has had like an amazing season in combat mm -hmm. robotics, has yet to be able to pull out a qualifying round in NHRL. Decides to show up at the last of possible event where it's the most stacked field of just absolute murder machines and pulls it out. Congratulations to Luke. Really great performance. But uh, the other robot mm -hmm. that qualified, we have to take a second to talk about Honey Shock. I mean, Stack. Stack. Yay. Zach Stack. This was so Honey Shock is always one of those bots that shows up, makes it into the tournament, wins a match, maybe two, and then goes away. Right? This was just so many dominant driving matches after driving matches. The bot worked beautifully. Zach did a phenomenal job. I mean, this is like the apex predator of the honey shock team line at this point, like absolutely amazing performance by Zach. Uh, everyone was screaming and so happy for him in the pits when he qualified. I, I, I don't know. Did you watch any of his fights? Like it was, he was phenomenal. Like all day he was phenomenal. 
Oh, I was watching them very intensely. No, with the Honey Shock, and really Honey Crack as a whole, but particularly with Honey Shock, um, I remember like the benefit of being close in Maryland is I can go and sort of talk to them, go to the hive to practice with my robots. And so we were all sort of worked together and thinking like, how can we improve these machines? And Honey Shock was one of the top robots we were thinking about, like ways to improve it. And they were able to get reps in with that testing arena. So seeing yeah. that come together for the event was just so fulfilling. That is that testing arena that Honey Shocked has is one of the most like stark examples of how smart NHRL is and Austin McCord is by giving that STEM charity money as part of the prize for the finals last year because all of that got direct like directly impacted the teams, the sport, the competitors are better now, the bots are better now, everybody's got more driving practice. He literally just improved his league. He was like, "Oh, how do I make my league better?" Well, here we go. That's so smart. Absolutely brilliant. Um, <laughs> like I, they, I know he's my boss and I'm supposed yeah. to say nice things about him, but like that, that's so smart. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So as someone he's that I'm not employed by him, I can at least, I can definitely say that's like a, uh, was it like a giant, like new deal, like spending package that sort of reinvests everything back into the teams. Because, um, like I know with like the benefit of having these different resources. And I think we saw it the most prevalently throughout the year with the different college teams in particular. Yeah. I think there were like multiple different college crews came through with machines and it, and each of them is at least like double digits number of people coming in too. And all of them now want to make their own robots or work on their own machines. So now it's just growing exponentially. And all of those guys are going to end up like uh, the Ribot Boys, where they're going to get out of WPI. They're going to be, you know, out in the real world. They're going to keep doing this stuff. They're going to keep working on this stuff and keep in, keep coming back to the competition with those resources that they developed at their schools. Um, you're a fine example of that yourself. Um, all right. So then, <laughs> final bot to qualify for this event for 12 pounds was Toro Junior, also captained by Junior Zusa, Rio Bots. Um, so yeah, this was not as much of a brazilian domination in the 12 pounds but they did get a bot qualified so congratulations to them um you know the the big story of course earlier this year uh, a bunch of brazilian teams showed up and the only bot to qualify um was chibata you know which was a first time build from mm-hmm. rato and uh you know that was really disappointing i know rato. for a lot of those guys everybody loves rato but you know those guys all showed up to qualify and nobody did <laughs> except for rato uh, so I'm really glad, A, that they were able mm-hmm. to come back, and B, they were able to qualify so many robots to come back to the finals with. I'm really looking forward to seeing all of them. But now let's talk about the actual story it's gonna of be this event. Uh, the three-pound <laughs> competition was full of twists and turns and drama and so many angry people in the discord server and so many angry people on facebook and i kind of like relish in all of this debate um (laughs) i think that the big story of this event is the loophole style robot now of course last event uh we had loophole Mm. show up and loophole is a really smart robot that means that anybody from the ribot team could basically sub in to be half of the weight of this kind of six pounds of robot they they're exploding, exploiting a quote-unquote loophole in the rules, uh, which has been there basically since day one. Anybody could have done this at any time. I've heard people <laughs> joking about this or threatening to do this for literally like two years at this point. Um, but they were the first ones to finally like <laughs> do it, you know? Um, and because it worked out really well for them, they decided uh, five, five teams decided to build loophole-style robots for this event. 
um, to varying mm. degrees of success. Uh, some of them were very successful. Some of them were not. Now, I will say this. Two of them qualified at this event, and one of them won a golden dumpster. So, uh, your winner, three-pound monkfish, which is an amazing shuffler, horizontal Ooh. spinner by Rachel de Guzman. I mean, this robot mm -hmm. is so cool. Tons of personality. I love the giant shuffling uh, mechanism. It looks amazing when it walks around the bot. It has a ton of personality. Like this is a marketable robot. This is going to be on merch and look amazing. And Rachel did uh, an app, an absolutely phenomenal job with it. Um, but this was also an arguably loophole style robot. You know, like she, they had an SSP kit as their mini bot was almost three pounds. It didn't have the lifter mechanism in it, but it was, it was there to wedge. It was there to control. It was there to do all that stuff. Um, Captain that was piloted by Remy and, um, they were, you know, they had almost six pounds, if not the full six pounds of robot out there fighting. Uh, and they won the entire tournament, took hold of the golden dumpster. Uh, Rachel was just over the moon happy with her performance. You know, this is a relatively new bot, um, did so well, took out uh, some amazing competitors, actually took out Synthesis, which is like mind blowing. Um, so yeah, <laughs> more power to Rachel. Uh, if Luke was here, he would probably just say at least it wasn't a cam lifter. Um, but there's been, a, <laughs> there's been some debate, you know, this was a loophole, a loophole style robot, you know, is that fair going into the future? Listen, it's been there the whole time. People are just doing it now. I think it's fine. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a builder. I don't put tons of money and time into these things. But like, if this has been in the rules since day one, I don't understand why people are upset about it. Um, but if people weren't upset about it before, they're allowed to get upset about it now, I guess, because the other uh, loophole style robot that qualified is Booty Brigade. Brandon, can you, for our dear listeners, please <laughs> describe what a Booty Brigade is? Well, first of all, it's two robots with big cheeks. So you have to begin with that as a big premise. That's the good visual. But behind those cheeks are two of the most powerful three pounders we've seen come around here. We've seen uh, Lynx, particularly, the great and powerful Lynx showing up with its massive uh, vertical beater bar as it's showing up in roofing machines. And so that then is paired with Mini Droopy. So we have a Droopy. Droopy being not just a dome champion in its own right, but arguably one of the robots that's been able to counter Lynx. So yeah. really, if you think about it, it's two top-tier machines, the yin and yang of their worlds, really. Like, yes. they are the current and past NHRL champions in one machine. Yeah, like world champions won the entire tournament. Uh, Droopy won it, what, back in 21 and, um, or 2020, and uh, Lynx won it 2020 mm -hmm. and 2021. Um, or 2021 and 2022. Uh, 21, yeah. 22. There you yeah, go. 21, 22. And, and Droopy was 2020. So the last two world champions were on this team. Um, they were amazing all day. Like absolutely amazing all day. It was actually really phenomenal to see them. Uh, the amount of intimidation factor that they provided with not only the fact that you're going up against Tommy Wong and Calvin Eba on the other side of the box by itself is just so scary. Um, but also they're just giant booties were very intimidating. 
you know, like they were, they were just all out there. There, there was no covering on these booties, by the way, it was just out there in it's 3d printed glory for everyone to see. Um, the bot flesh colored mind you. So you could yes. definitely know it was a booty. Oh yeah. There was no mistaking the fact that it was a booty on both of these robots. No, mistakes. um, no, no mistaking it. Mm -hmm. No mistaking it. Um, yeah, they did incredibly well. Now they didn't, they did not get to the end. They did not get into the finals, but they did almost get into the finals. If not for another bot, we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, the other bot that qualified, IDK by Kevin Biagini. Kevin, this bot used to stand for, I don't know what I'm doing. It now has to stand for, I do know what I'm doing. You literally qualified for the world championships, buddy. Phenomenal job. This bot worked out beautifully. Um, the most adorable moment of the entire event. And by the way, like this event was all good vibes. Like everybody was in a great mood. Everybody was super happy for everybody. There was just all of this, you know, in the moment, in the space, it was just a lot of good energy, good vibes, beautiful moments. Incredible. For me, the most adorable moment of the entire event was I announced that Kevin's about to start, you know, fighting. It's his next qualifying round to get into the finals. And I announced, Hey, by the way, Kevin and IDK have qualified for the November final. It doesn't matter what the outcome of this fight is. And Kevin, here's the last part of that, right? Just the last part of it, enough to kind of register. <laughs> and he turns around and just looks at me at the desk. I'm on the live stream. I'm looking at the camera. I'm talking. I got things going on. And Kevin just goes, hey, wait, what? Waving his hands in the air at me. <laughs> And I look at him and I went, oh, yeah, I'll repeat this to you. Kevin, you qualified. You qualified already. You're good. You're going to the world championships. Pay attention, though. You're about to fight. <laughs> like, don't. <laughs> don't get your head out of the game. You, you got it. You're about to go. And this man, which I don't know if you've ever seen Kevin. Kevin, like, he's got a giant, like, beard. He looks like a metalhead, right? He's very, like, tough-looking, gruff-looking fella. Um, this man, like just his eyes well up, his face is just beaming with joy. He's like so excited. He can't believe that this is reality. He's like freaking out. And then the countdown starts and he has to go, Oh, oh, oh grab his transmitter. <laughs> and get <in> the position <laughs> of Immediate murder mode. <laughs> it was like, Oh, oh gosh. It was adorable. I was so happy for him. Um, so yeah, that means both the people on that team, um, Kevin and Ariel uh, have qualified, which is great. Um, and then the other robot to qualify at this event, having, I mean, I don't think this is an argument, having literally his best performance at a combat robotics event, period, the end. Uh, Jonathan Juarez and Warhard, man. This robot performed better than I have ever seen it at any event, and Jonathan shows up a lot. Um, Jonathan drove like an absolute demon all day. He was on top of it. He made zero mistakes all day long. He was just a phenomenal competitor. Like it was uh, something clicked in that guy's brain. Something clicked with that guy's robot. I don't know what happened, but he like ascended five levels in this sport in a single event. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, congratulations to Jonathan Juarez. Uh, I just, I, I could not believe how 
well he did. And now I'm like looking at him as like a top five for the finals, like it, that good. That's how well he performed at this event. And this was an event, as we've said, that was super duper stacked with nothing but killers, like just nothing but killers at this event. Mm-hmm. All right. You want to talk I mean, about is hard, but he wore as well. He made it easy. I mean, like that's that was the joke, right? His heavyweight was called War Easy, <laughs> and then he found out that War is not that easy, mm-hmm. which is why he named his three pounder War Hard, right? Um, and then mm-hmm. we've got to talk about this robot. This robot already qualified at a previous event, so they were just there to get their reps in. But uh, Corey Nason had, quite frankly, the best event of the night. I think that's or the best fight of the night. I think that that goes without saying. Um, arguably the best fight in NHRL history. Uh, taking on Booty Brigade. Ooh. And hey, it's in the conversation. It is definitely in the conversation. Um, <laughs> taking on Booty Brigade and not only defeating them, but dismantling them on live television. Like it was... Mm. I mean, it was not just a victory. It was like a just flouncing of these two world champions. It was so phenomenal. And Corey's just genuine heartfelt reaction to it after the fight was just fills your heart up with the most joy. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Did you have a, like, did you catch that fight or have you watched the footage of that? Oh, I followed that very closely, um, particularly near the end. Um, I was out during the day, but when I came back home, and that's around the finals times, so I got to see most of the finals in particular, and I got to see Synthesis fighting against Booty Brigade. Um, I was very convinced that Synthesis had the ability to certainly damage, I think, uh, the droopy half of the Booty Brigade, because they could sure. try to hit the center of it. But the Lynx part, I did not expect it. But he got it. He got the the beautiful ability to just throw links by its own weapon and just roofing it over and over again. And then by the time he turned to me droopy, you're thinking, Oh dear. Oh, yeah. that, that's that bot is in for a world of hurt. <laughs> and then he did it. I, I remember messaging uh, Corey as well later on and just, just so excited for him. Just cheering. I messaged him in the moment. I mean, I knew it couldn't see. I was watching him doing his thing, but at the same time, the excitement was visceral um, it just poured out naturally as a result of it. Everybody was cheering with it. Even Calvin and Tommy, they were oh, pounding yeah. the Lexan. Corey's pounding the Lexan. Everyone's deep into it. It was an excellent moment. No, uh, Cor- top moment for the at least the tournament, definitely the year. Yeah, I mean uh, Corey's win. Like everybody was rooting for him for sure. Like they wanted him to kill the big bad. They wanted him to kill the the demon that was Broody Brigade. And he <laughs> something else that I was thinking about is like the mobility difference between lynx and synthesis is massive lynx can literally drive circles around synthesis mm-hmm. in the best of circumstances right in order for Corey to get each of those weapon to weapon engagements the way he did and not get hit on the side of his armor get hit on the side or get hit on the wheel um which he did like 90 percent of that fight he got weapon to weapon engagements with links and won every single one of those weapon to weapon engagements that takes so much concentration skill thoughtfulness i mean you are playing you are playing the video game on the hardest setting 
and winning every single time doing it that way. <laughs> the fun way. <laughs> yeah. I was blown that's the away. That's the secret for these machines. That's the secret. The driving is really important. That's why Hacksmith mentioned earlier with the AI Orbitron, because they know it. It's a big deal. Yep. And so the beauty in synthesis design-wise is that that weapon is a huge diameter. So he's going to have a, a very good tip speed to get to links on one level. But another level, the robot is wide. So he's able to counter the gyro and balancing that out still. So yeah. he is positioning himself very, very well every time for those great hits. And it shows because he does not look unbalanced. He looks focused. And in no, it. yeah, th- you're right. He, the bot is perfectly balanced at this point. He's really dialed that in. Ah, uh, I was, I mean, congratulations once again to Corey Nason. I hope that video goes like quadruple viral on all of our channels of him winning because that was just the best moment. Um, best moment to, to see live and it really translates to the video. So please go watch that. Um, so yeah, and now all mm-hmm. of this is going to lead to the November World Championships. It goes without saying that this is going to be the most stacked World Championships that we have ever seen. Um, multiple nations are being represented. Um, links didn't make it, but booty brigade did weird things happening. I don't understand. Um, Droopy's <laughs> going to be there. So you'll see Droopy and booty brigade performing, which is crazy. Uh, I know Tommy's working on something new with his droopy design that he was, you know, testing at this last event with loopy. That's going to make it even scarier. So huzzah for that. And who knows how many of these robots are going to redesign themselves as loopholes uh, coming up into the event, because that that very well may be a thing. Or maybe they'll all have cam lifters. We'll find out. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The the finals is going to be tricky. Because I know there's like a... I know NHRL has implemented some sort of limits in terms of extra rules, or at least the plan is to perhaps add that in uh, to make sure that's sort of balanced. It's not to remove the options of additional modifications but make sure that you're still sort of your general design yeah so we still have your your robot shapes yeah yes because one thing that um happened before it's one thing it's very easy to do is to totally redo your robot but you don't want that wise people would keep the robot about the same so this sort of happens naturally to the best but at the same time nhrl wants to make sure it's as fair as possible because they still yeah. encourage the rule exploration that is loophole and all that but at the same time they also don't want to be like, okay, we're all now cam loopholers and everybody's going to be just exploring <laughs> the heck out of the rules. And we're going to have like a, like a rules battle more than like a robot battle. So trying to keep yeah. it exciting still. So should, Best lawyer be wins. This is not an engineering competition anymore. It's a lawyer competition. Best um, I, you know, I'm for it. <laughs> Listen, I don't think that that's going to happen because, uh, those camlifter designs have been beaten before these loophole designs have now been beaten before heck Corey nason's destroyed loophole and booty brigade now at this point um so you know it's possible you can do it you just have to have a peak tier perfectly designed all the way dialed in three pound vertical spinner and you can beat anybody it'll be fine uh, <laughs> that's all that's all you need um all right so we're going to talk now about battlebots champions 2 the sin city slugfest is back baby um so this just premiered last week on thursday the next episode is going to be coming out this week on thursday 
These are the best fights of the season because this is filmed at the end of the tournament. Everyone's dialed in and also past the point of caution. Literally, they just go out there and send it. They're not trying to save spares anymore. They just want the best hits and the best fights humanly possible. And that's what makes the Golden Bowl, in my mind, have better per capita fights than the regular season just all the way around. Um, but before we get into that, the awards for this year were given out at this event, so let's go through that real quick. First of all, the Excellence in Sportsmanship Award was given to Rory Mangles from Team Monsoon, who probably should have been on the payroll this year for troubleshooting everyone's VEX problems. Uh, literally everyone's VEX problems. They called R Rory in to help. He was in <laughs> everyone's pits for at least 45 minutes throughout the entire event. Um, so thank you, Rory, for your service, and uh, you know, enjoy that giant bolt but get a paycheck next time um most destructive robot huge uh well-deserved reward for this huge. year's runner up um you were talking about this before the pod that huge is destructive in a very unique way because they are not coming in there and just hitting you as hard as they can they're literally coming in there and like lightsabering your robot in half they're like cutting through parts of you like in a sharper fashion you want to expand on that a little bit? That's the that's the secret of that. Uh, yeah, it's the secret of the huge shape, really. Um, so the way that Jonathan designs it is you have a very long bar. It's an emphasis on the bar. And because that bar is only but so much so much uh, thickness to it, um, that means that all of that pressure is now put on the tip where that tooth is. And so for a lot of engineers, the way they actually rate the strength of materials about is by the pressure it can take, the PSI, KSI or, you know, Pascal rating you give to it. So that's how much it can take at a certain size, square inch. And so if you're thinking about force over a square inch, what huge does is it takes all that force and puts on a very precise square inch because huge, doesn't have to, huge does not have to break through the entire side of a robot to hurt you. It just has to hit that one bit of the robot that's covering something important, cleave right through like a lightsaber, and mm -hmm. something's going to get killed. Cut a wire, cut a battery, cut a controller, something, and it could, and it gets damaged from that, and it's excellent, very precise, yeah. and it, it's great for hitting um, like belt pulleys and belts on vertical spinning weapons. Like that's like it's it's like main, I guess, prey is like those four wheel drive vertical spinning robots where <laughs> all of that weapon mechanism is right there on top for them to chop into and chop apart. Um, yeah, Jonathan's so smart, oh, yeah. and I'm so glad. Like this huge was the best looking huge we've ever had both in a design ability like design as well as like operation function form and function um well deserved i mean i'm so glad that that was like the runner-up this year uh to have them and saw as the runner-up for the the giant nut was phenomenal absolutely phenomenal all right, so next uh, award was the Grant Imahara Award for the best design. Um, Grant Imahara, of course, one of the classic BattleBots competitors and members of the Mythbusters crew. Um, amazing man. And uh, we celebrate some of the coolest designs and design elements with his award. So we are celebrating Ripperoni this year uh, because they were able to get in there Pizza. and make that counter flywheel actually work. Um, and not only actually work, but work mm -hmm. well. Um, so congratulations to that team. And then I think you, you said that we were talking before the pod as well. Um, the founders award went to Marson, Martin Mason from mad catter. Um, and 
just explain why you think he was the most deserving of this award. I thought that was so, so cool the way you put it. So the way that BattleBots is played is you have one level, which is the bats, the bots in the box and they fight. That's true. But there's what we call the metagame and the metagame besides just playing like the most optimal design and all that is everything else that goes into it. So with Martin, he does an excellent job of reminding everybody that BattleBots is a show for entertainment. So when he's presenting himself in interviews, he's being exciting. He's bringing everybody's uh, engagement into it. When he's on TV, you want to see it. Um, with Mad Catter, the robot is designed with gorgeous art. And there's a great emphasis on both the, the intricacy of its display, like how the art works with the robot's function, as well as the variation in what the robot's able to do, paired with its incredible power. Because it is a four-wheel drive vertical spinner, but it has a lifter in there, has its little mini bots, and can have attachments for said spinners, or for uh, said lifter and different spinner designs too. So it still has some variety to it. And then yeah. finally, Martin is just a great guy outside of it, of course. Like he's yep. running events in SCAR, in so um, SoCal. He's, um, like his team is great. The bot itself uh, is... Uh, made by community it's not just like him or like a giant money bags team doing it it's very careful design thought and um teamwork being put into that machine all the time so there's a lot of factors that make mad catter and martin excellent and it's so good to see it recognized for that and that's why i really enjoyed seeing him get the award yeah yeah one of the things we talk about on this show a lot is how mad catter is probably the best performing budget bot every year um like they put so much time and effort into rebuilding those motors, redoing the speed controllers, like using the same equipment over and over again, just fixing it and rehabbing it and putting that time into it. I think something we might neglect to mention is just how smart you have to be to actually pull that off well. And the Mad Catter team does that consistently. Mm -hmm. Martin Mason is just a genuinely good human um, and well-deserving of the award. All right, so let's talk about this first episode. Uh, the big story, uh, Evan Arias and Shreddit Bro are 100% worth all the hype. Yes. Um, anybody who's been following NHRL for more than two years knows that Evan Arias is a relentless driver, a really phenomenal competitor. He is like so willing to help anybody out and... Um, bring them kind of into the sport and under his wing as long as they need that kind of support. He's just a genuinely good guy. I've been calling him the patriarch of Team Shreddit because he really is the team dad in so many ways. He really does just like take, take care of everybody and help everybody out. Um, this was A, a Shreddit bro that does what Evan needed him to do, needed it to do, and B, uh evan in classic form and i don't care i'm just gonna keep hitting you with the weapon form um and it was i mean it made me a little bit nostalgic to see it quite frankly because we haven't seen that evan at the competitions and in hrl in a little while um so it was really cool to see him doing it on a big stage and against these top-notch competitors absolutely phenomenal night um for him what, what were your thoughts on his performance throughout the night? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I love seeing Shredder Bro do well because Shredder Bro is an example of how all the teams progress throughout the tournament. Because BattleBots is filmed in two weeks. And yep. the champions to Sensei Slugfest, Golden Bolt, blah, blah, blah. 
that is the second week. That is the tuned week. So that means everybody not only has nothing else to lose because they've already gotten out of the main tournament at this point, but more so than that, they've now learned. At HRL, we can iterate all the time with our machines because we get to fight them every like six weeks or so up in um, Connecticut and smaller, smaller events across the country as well. But BattleBots, it's only there. And maybe if you live in the West Coast, Proving Grounds now. Um, so when Shredder Bro got there, you can see that it had the potential. Like that drum is serious. The wheels yeah. look excellent. The chassis construction looks like it's all together. It just couldn't move to prove that. But by second week, um, you get to see it really play out. And all those things, when they're working, are terrifying. And it was fun as a builder seeing that too. I got to see them as they're working on it, talk to them in passing, sort of going along the, uh, the pit area, working on the machines in the, in the battery tent as they're sort of preparing to go test the machine, asking them about how's it going, what's the progress on it, and so on and so forth. And I felt for them for sure because they, at the beginning, had so many struggles that really didn't give them a fair shake, which is the nature of BattleBots. But once you get to... Um, when she got the, to the to the slugfest, I remember the little bits I do remember from last year was that Shutter Bro got good, <laughs> and yeah. when it got good, it got real good. It <laughs> so got what, real good. <laughs> All right, yeah. so uh, the other fight we've got to talk about for this night, if we don't talk about any of the other ones, and the other you know person who I think really won the night was Lucy Dew. Finally getting recognized for her driving ability by Kenny and Chris, who I do feel were kind of unfair to her in the regular season. Um, she was phenomenal as the driver of Valkyrie all night. That is not an easy robot to drive. And she did a really, really stunning job driving that robot. Super aggressive, uh, reckless abandon all over the place. Absolutely love to see it. Um, and clear winner for the fight of the night in the rematch between Valkyrie and Rotator that was arguably Ooh. more destructive than the first time they went at it. I mean, pieces of wedge flying off, sparks happening all over the place, weapons going full bore for three full minutes, like craziness. I absolutely love mm -hmm. this fight. Um, what did you think about, about Lucy's performance in this event? So with Valkyrie, I knew they we actually were our pit members, first of all. Mammoth was pinned next to Valkyrie. So I already got to see and interact with them quite a bit already, just by virtue of competing too. Um, but like with Valkyrie in particular, they um, had a little bit of shakedown issues during the season. But all in all, the bot was designed to be very resilient. And I think that is what's the genius of this match. The reason why Valkyrie, why Valkyrie Rotator is such a great pairing because Victor and Lucy understood that they need to survive to win. And Lucy and Alex and the whole Valkyrie team did an excellent job making that machine never quit. I yeah. would always, I always noticed in their exchanges, Rotator hitting the nose of Valkyrie, hitting its beak where its eyes were. And I kept thinking that weapon cradle is right beneath that. So like, that shock is going into arguably the strongest part of the robot, but... If that part fails, there is nothing left to really yeah. resist against Rotator. But it kept going. And Lucy was not afraid to test the, uh, Rotator with that. She had a strategy, get along to the sides to get the wheels, side armor, um, grabbing edges of the wedge, try to pull those things off. But when Victor did a good job of keeping her at bay, she said, fine, we'll take it. And then they did. And they kept doing it over and over as needed. And then the strategy of both aggression 
and still tactics work together and got them to win. Amen to that. Um, yeah, I am very excited to see Valkyrie at next year's event, mainly because that entire crew has been grinding away at NHRL all year. Kablooey Tango, which is their kind of like, I think it's their wish list of things they want to add or change about Valkyrie going forward in a lot of ways. I, that's not exactly what the robot's designed for, but that, that there does seem to be some of that element in there. Um, I mean, it's just been winning tournaments. It's been winning tournaments if Alex was the captain. It's been winning tournaments if Lucy was the captain. It kind of doesn't matter at this point. Whoever they throw behind it, they're going to they're gonna pull out a win. Um, it's watching... Alex's driving get better all season at NHRL, watching Lucy's driving get better all season. And these are two people that already knew what they were doing, but just literally watching them improve mm-hmm. to the point where like golden dumpsters were like, oh, cool, we won another one kind of a, <laughs> kind of a thing was amazing. I am, <laughs> you know, like it, like it wasn't a surprise anymore. It was like, oh, neat. We got another one of those for the shelf. All right, cool. You know, I'm a I'm very scared for anybody that's got to face them at the world championships at NHRL this year but also I feel like that team is going to be yeah. dialed all the way in for BattleBots next year and everyone should really look out um because th- those those team members have been working working hard all right so this coming Thursday is going to be uh episode two um I have as per tradition not looked at what the fight card is going to be so we're going to do our predictions thread now if you have predictions go ahead and post them on our predictions thread on Facebook or Instagram I'll post them in both those places uh let me know who you think might win at the next time and we'll see how right you are we'll see how wrong you are are you smarter than a Kyle um, but as of right now, let's go over our predictions mm-hmm. for episode two. Brandon, what are, who is fighting? What are we doing next week? Oh, we're we're in for a real uh, real slobber knocker of fights here. So we're gonna walk through it step by step and get our get our predictions in. Okay. So the first pair is Blip versus Black Dragon. Oh, that's gonna be sick. Oh, that's gonna be such a good fight. Uh, I can't wait to see it. A but B, I'm gonna have to give that one to Black Dragon. Um, I cannot imagine them getting Black thrown. Dragon. Yeah, I can't imagine them getting thrown 30 feet in the air multiple times, actually stopping their weapon or stopping their bot in any way, shape, or form. Um, they're just so durable and resilient, and I feel like they're gonna get enough hits with that spinner to pull out the pull out the win via points. So yeah, that'll go to the judges, but it'll go to Black Dragon. Mm. Sweet, sweet. Okay. So next we have Mad Catter and Bloodsport. Oh, that one's going to be awesome too. Uh, I'm going to give that one to Mad Catter. Um, Bloodsport's been having a really good year, and I do feel like they're kind of dialing it in towards the end of the year, but Mad Catter's got all of the geometry advantages there. They're going to pull that one out. Okay, so the Kitty Cat Prattles on. Going to get some good shots there. Ooh, okay. (laughs) Got the horizontal matchup next. We have... Malice and hijinks. Um, this one's gonna go to Malice. Uh, hijinks is just having a rough year, man. They just they had a rough year. I feel really bad for that team. It's a bunch of really smart people who really know how to build awesome robots, but they just they had a rough year. So we're gonna give that one to Malice. Bunny Bunny knows what she's doing. Her injury is a little bit recovered at this point in the season. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I think that they're. I think the. Either bot here is going to have a good time learning because very different 
uh, geometries. Like one enormous oh, blade, yeah. sort of thin cutter, very low. Others very thick, drumette kind of a design. Oh, Good yeah. Good learning. Yeah, really love to see that one again. Yeah, and that's going <clears> to come then, down to rushing, yep. I think. Um, because yep. if it's weapon to weapon, hijinks wins every time. But I don't think it's going to come weapon to weapon. Yep, driving case there. And then we have, last one, Fusion and Whiplash. Also going to be a great matchup. I'm going to give this one to Whiplash. Ooh, okay, okay. Very good. The two, what is it? So two sort of multi-weapon machines, but in different yep. ways. Very different ways, yes. And I don't even think, like, it's weird, because Whiplash is a multi-weapon machine, and the fact that they have a spinner on it sometimes, but that's not the weapon mm -hmm. on that robot. That weapon's match driving. <laughs> He's just so good. He's just so stinking good. And like that lifter is really, really well done. Um, it's it's almost all UHMW now, isn't it? Like he's out there just with mm -hmm. structural UHMW throwing people around. That guy's amazing. Yeah, I love seeing Whiplash do its thing, particularly because it's a very dominant lifter. It's like Red Storm, Whiplash, love when they do good. But yeah, so that should yep. be, that's our first round. All right, so then going okay. into second round, who do we got? Let's see. So I guess if you had Black Dragon, and then you had Mad... Uh, sorry, Bloodsport. No, it was Catter, right? Uh, so it would be Black Dragon Mad versus Mad Catter, yep. Uh, Mad Catter, yes. Okay. So okay. Once again, I'm going to have to give that to the Black Dragon team. So that means Black Dragon moves on okay. to the finals. Good for them. <laughs> okay. Brazil cleaning up. Very good. Yeah, well, that's what you're gonna do. Um and then semifinals. That's <laughs> gonna be what is that? Malice versus Malice Whiplash. And Whiplash. I'm gonna have to yes. give that to Whiplash. I'm gonna have to give that to Whiplash. Um, okay. And then in the fight of Whiplash versus Black Dragon, it's gotta go to Whiplash. I think Whiplash is gonna you get know, the, uh, I, I will say. I will say, Whiplash, I think, is a machine designed to play heavy ground game. And generally, yep. vertical spinners do not do well if their ground game is limited or beaten. Yep. So if it yep. comes to it, definitely. Um, all right. So if you think you are smarter than a Kyle, go ahead and put in your predictions in our uh, predictions thread. We'll post that on the Facebook group and on the Discord. And I'm excited to see what you guys think um maybe i'm totally wrong about everything maybe i'm totally right if history proves anything true i'm wrong by about uh 45 to 70 percent of the time so there you go <laughs> very good and so now for this week's installment of robots around the world this week we're traveling to japan where engineers had created a 3.5 ton robot suit that resembles a character from a hugely popular animation series, Gundam, which they hope to use for space exploration and emergency situations. Tokyo-based startup, was it Subame Industries? Subame, developed yeah. The, very good. Developed the 4.5 meter tall, or 14.8 feet for us Americans, uh, four-wheeled, I believe it's called the Arcax robot, that looks like the mobile suit Gundam from the 70s Japanese show of the same name. For $3 million, a paltry thing, and you can have one of the first five, which are ready to go today. Um, first of all, 
Austin McCord, if you're listening and you just happen to have 3.5 extra dollar or $3 million plus shipping around and want a giant Gundam suit, just saying that might be fun. We could do some content with that. We could create some stuff with that. Um, but also this thing looks incredible. I absolutely love everything about it. Uh, Arcax, by the way, stands for Archaeopteryx because apparently Ooh. it has uh, some, uh, I guess, pterosaur kind of design elements to it. So that's that's what it's short for. Um, the suit looks really cool. It moves at six miles per hour when it's in drive mode, which is like pretty fast for a giant robot, honestly. Uh, if you had a giant robot suit, Brandon, what would you do with it? Well, if I had a giant robot suit, I think that I'd probably build a giant robot base to go with it. And I would certainly find some uh, some location deep in some woods so I can just sort of plan things out there. I'm thinking that if I uh, keep that in my like current sort of uh, townhouse setup, that'd be pretty rough on the neighbors. But uh, I think if I had to figure out a good way to use a giant robot suit. I think keeping it ready for whenever Jameson go eventually makes a megabot version. <laughs> and then there's like a giant Megatron <laughs> to fight against. It'd be kind of cool. Or really just uh, what is it like battle bots decides, you know what the heavyweights too small, too easy. Let's go for the big guns. And, uh, and uh, everybody starts figuring that out. And then I think the last move I can probably go with it is uh, if I ever need to sort of um, like travel a bit and like, give talks about robots and stuff i can pull up in the giant robot suit and then drop down with the mini ones and say hey you want to make this do calculus and they're like ah you know what i didn't want to but now you have a giant robot there i'm gonna start believing you i think i'm gonna start doing the calculus now yeah that's totally legit that's totally legit yeah um one of the things that i found interesting about this so i was i mean i'm sure like many people at the time was really into the Koratas versus Megabots like kind of drama and scene and all that stuff that was happening a few years ago. Um, USA versus Japan, giant robot fights. There are definitely some elements of the Koratas robots in this design. The big difference is this thing seems to work and the Koratas robots were very much so a special effect. Um, but by yeah, all accounts, yeah. this is a real thing. Like this is a real working <laughs> thing. So why do you think the design similarities? Is it just that there's not that many people in Tokyo building giant robots? Or do you think that everybody's just so influenced by Gundam that all of their robots end up looking that way? You know, I have an artist friend and he's very, very good at a uh, sort of drawing and he, has some children's books that he's made. And one thing we were talking to him about in college was, you know, the engineers might build a lot of stuff. We might have these effects on the world, like bridges and all of that. But artists uh, affect the imagination, and that drives the passion and the vision for those engineering things. Right. Because on one level, this robot, I'm sure, could be designed very differently to make it the most functional thing possible but you really still want to make it appealing to the human element because we're not just robots ourselves. I think that is the, the beautiful combination that you're trying to strike that balance of four men function together. Oh, that was really well put. Well, 
All right, we're going to end it there. That was nice. All right, well, that's about it for us today. Luke, Lindsay, and Chris are all (laughs) traveling around Asia for the rest of the month. Uh, But we'll be back in your feed next week with a mysterious guest. And we'll see you then, folks. Bye. See ya.